0: Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Boss Talks, episode 46. We have a great show today. We have Kara House and. She is with the Bella group. She is actually the director of community engagement with them. And outside of that, she's very busy. She's involved in many committees with the national apartment association. And whether that's the diversity equity and inclusion committee, she's also a board member for the Arizona multi-housing association. She's also a city council person with her local city of Flagstaff in Arizona. And then there's all the other things she's involved with when it comes to mental health, first aid, public relations and everything else. So there's a lot to cover, but there's a lot of interesting things. She's also very passionate about, she talks about using storytelling to train people or get information across and building belonging and inclusion through cultural engagement and growing others leaning into things like mentorship so that should be really cool as well so we're gonna get right into it but first I'm Evan Happel I'm your host I'm with community boss we have a great software solution for meeting all your parking, amenity, and mapping needs when it comes to your community. And if you want to make some ancillary income or revenue, we can help you out there as well. But I'd love to dive into that at some time in the future. So just let me know, but today we are not here for that. So let's get right to it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And is it Cara or Kara?
1: It's Kara.
0: Oh, but of course it is. <laughs> I get a lot
1: of is closer than some people get, so you're
0: good. <laughs> Moving forward, you will be Kara, but thanks for being here.
1: Absolutely. It's my pleasure.
0: And like I said, you're involved in a lot of things. You have a lot going on, whether that's in the specific industry of multifamily or your local city. You're very involved and obviously care a lot about what's going on in the things you're directly linked to, whether that's your city or your industry. So I can only imagine how busy you are. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. It can be quite a lot, but it's all worthwhile. I have such a huge focus on service and community engagement and all of those sorts of things. It just is a natural fit and I love it. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So we'll get into all that a little bit in a minute, but I like to kick off with a few questions. And actually one of them probably will fit really well with things that we're going to talk about anyways. So it'll be great. First, I like to ask how you engage in building community uh, in your personal and professional life. I think that's like your whole life. So (laughs) go ahead.
1: (laughs) It really is. And for me, I grew up as a very shy kid. And I remember being in like third or fourth grade and wanting to have friends going and realizing who the person was that nobody else was talking to and going up and just asking, do you want to be my best friend? (laughs) And we just got together and started hanging out. And that's always just been who I am as a person is I tend to be very quiet myself, but I'm also paying a lot of attention to other people and wanting them to feel like they they have a place where they can go and feel safe and feel accepted and feel loved, that sense of belonging. So I try and just bring that into whatever I'm involved in.
0: Yeah. That's great to know how you're built and your passions and to give your full self to those things. So that's really cool. So tied the community a little bit, having people over for dinner is a great way to, to build community and, be hospitable. So I like to ask, what would you make for dinner? And it, it's okay, you can order out, you can, i have had all the answers. So whatever your way to make somebody feel at home in your house.
1: Yes, yeah, so I love to cook. Um, And I just had this conversation with my dad where I asked, do you actually enjoy cooking or is it just something that you have to do, especially if it's for other people? And we both, I I love cooking, especially for other people. I think if I was having some sort of a dinner party, folks are going to get a lot of baked macaroni and cheese. It is absolute favorite food. And I think it's just a comfort food. And I can't think of anybody I know who doesn't like a good mac and cheese. Hopefully no. that would be, yeah, at least part of the meal, I'm sure. Oh, you, know, yeah. you got to have a vegetable, you've got to have a meat or something, but the mac and cheese would be the core part of that meal.
0: All right. And so you have a baked mac and cheese. You have, what, five different cheeses in there? Something like that? About Some that. Some breadcrumbs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no yeah. breadcrumbs. I am
1: okay. I not a breadcrumb person on my Mac and cheese, yes, a bunch of cheeses and it's a family recipe that I have been sworn to secrecy on, but love to make it for folks. And yeah, it's delicious. It's almost a dessert Mac and cheese. It's so rich. So it's yeah.
0: So I have a controversial question because somebody else said Mac and cheese as well. And they said their husband says that Mac and cheese can't be a meal in and of itself. Even if you add meat to it, it doesn't qualify.
1: Is is this? percent unqualified that is a false statement i mean it can be anything mac and cheese is such a versatile it can be breakfast it can be lunch it can be dessert it can be whatever you want it to be would you
0: add any kind of meat to it like a ham or i usually i
1: usually don't when i make it but i have had an amazing buffalo chicken mac and cheese that is just to die for yeah yeah it's a meal yeah it's a meal. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cause when it's there, I'm going to eat a lot of it. And like, Mm -hmm. how can I eat anything else?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And if you have nothing else, are you going to tell me that you're not going to be satisfied with just a big old bowl of macaroni and cheese?
0: And then when I was a kid, I would just, even to this day for my kids, we make a box of mac and cheese for a quick meal, and sometimes we add, and this does not qualify for anything near to what you're making, but for the quick meal, adding like hot dogs or whatever to it. I did that as a kid so many times. Yeah. So yeah, I Absolutely. agree. It's a meal. Yes. hundred percent. All right. So I'm glad we cleared that up. We'll make sure that she knows that we have her back on that. Cause <laughs> she, she thought it was fine. Yeah. All right. So if you were to drink. A cup of coffee. What's your go-to? What's your favorite when it comes to that?
1: So I have. I have to confess, I am not a coffee person.
0: All right. <laughs> um, I know. do
1: good mocha. I guess would be oh, like okay. the closest to real coffee that I will have. An iced mocha, but I love a nice iced tea. Okay. That's my go-to. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I like an Arnold Palmer if I'm going to uh-huh. have tea. That's kind of like my favorite drink when it comes to going to a restaurant. I definitely get that almost every time. So tea, I like tea. Nothing wrong with that. And to be fair, most people when they get a coffee drink are not getting black coffee.
1: Very true. (laughs) We have Starbucks to thank for that. When you can have the rest of the world in your cup of coffee, why would you stay pure?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think too many people are having black coffee. Now I do. I had one today. But that's, I think I'm in the minority there and that's okay. I can be. Yes. It's fine. All right. thank you for answering and hope someday I'm in Flagstaff and I can eat some mac and cheese at your house.
1: I will tell me when you're (laughs) here and I will make it.
0: I don't know when I'm going to get to Flagstaff, but I don't know the last time I've been to just Arizona in general, maybe someday
1: it's a great place to be for the summer. We're about to be in hot Lanta for a week. Flagstaff is a much better spot to be. Even if you're up into the eighties or temperatures like that, it is still, you get into the shade and it feels nice and cool. We don't have a whole lot of humidity. So if you're looking to so, get out of the heat for the summer.
0: So is Flagstaff like way different than
1: Phoenix? It is way different than Phoenix. Yeah, we are 7,000 feet above sea level. So we have the, I think we're in the middle of the largest pine forest, like in the world. (laughs) It's something like that. And Hmm. uh, yeah, we've got, we just got dumped on with, I wanna say it was like over 150 inches of snow this winter. Mm. Yeah.
0: So it's more like a high desert, like Colorado or Something like that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I knew there's it snowed there, but I just don't know much about Flagstaff. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
1: It's, a, it's fun to first come here. I honestly, I thought people were kidding when they told me that it snowed. And the first winter out here, we had a huge blizzard that I was just not expecting. I didn't have snowshoes. I didn't have a winter coat because <laughs> I, I thought Arizona, it's going to be warm. Who needs it? And uh, yeah, I learned very quickly.
0: Wow. So, what took you there? Where were you originally from?
1: Yeah. So, I am from Pennsylvania originally. Oh, okay. And had graduated from undergrad and wanted to continue my education and was originally supposed to go to American University in DC. But for a couple different reasons, it just wasn't working out. So started applying elsewhere, and I think I just literally saw a picture of Northern Arizona University's campus right at the foot of the San Francisco Peak Mountains and fell in love and just thought, oh, I'll, I'll apply there for fun. Wound up getting accepted, so hopped on a bus and came out here in 2009.
0: Oh, wow. And then you just have been there ever since.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I used to go home for the summers, but graduated in 2011, moved out permanently in the fall of 2011, and have been here since.
0: Nice. So have you been with the Bella Group that entire time?
1: Yeah, I started with the Bella Group in 2013 when we were Bella Investment Group. And yeah, I like to joke that I was the fastest promotion in company history. I think it was really just a fluke situation, but was hired as a floating leasing consultant. And after my first day on site, the manager asked if I was interested in being the assistant manager. And so in less than a full day's work, I was promoted.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is fast. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. So I have a connection with the Bella Group, and I didn't really know that until you and I talked and I thought about it more. So I used to work for Apartment Life. Your group uses it at all your properties, correct?
1: Uh, At the majority of them. Yep. Yeah, we all have Apartment Life teams and Dortha.
0: (laughs) Dortha, yeah. And Dortha, you guys have a very unique situation. You have a dedicated program director in dortha and i think you guys probably are the most like dedicated to the program as a company compared to a lot of others honestly so it's pretty interesting how you guys are So like all in about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think actually the father of one of our managing partners for the company was somehow involved with the development of the apartment life program. And so it was just always kind of part of the model that we wanted to focus on having that engagement piece with residents and creating that sense of actual community within Mm -hmm. our apartments. So yeah, we're 100% bought in.
0: And was... The program, you guys, I want to say there was two programs. There was Apartment Life and there was Cares. And right. you guys, were you guys Cares?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we had the and Cares then teams they came and together. then it all came together a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah. And then for a long time, they were known as Cares teams. Mm-hmm. And then eventually everything moved to being Apartment Life only. But, okay, yeah. All right, that's a fun little... Antidote. Yeah, because <laughs> i i was a team up in the northwest for a different organization that birthed out of apartment life and then came back to apartment life mm-hmm. called community northwest and i served as a team for three years then i helped manage the area and then i was the executive director and then i moved the organization to be acquired by apartment life so Yeah, I have a history in this whole world, and a lot of it is due to the CARES program started by you guys. I wouldn't have been doing what I did and get exposure to this industry if I had never done it. There you go.
1: (laughs) That's so amazing. Yeah. I remember when you and I were first talking and you asked if I had heard of Apartment Life and we talked around that a little bit. And then you were asking if I knew Dortha. And I think I just started laughing when you asked it because yeah, I love her to pieces and we work really closely together. It's actually part of my role now is being a coordinating person with the apartment life teams and working closely with Dorotha on that. So just what a small world, what are the odds of meeting someone who had that same connection? And really for me, that's what it's all about is finding those. I swear with anybody that you meet, you're going to find that one little connection that you have in common that just changes the full dynamic of a relationship or an interaction or something that just, it changes everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fun. Yeah. And so in your role, we'll just get right into that. You're very much about helping your kind of a liaison with the teams and helping build a sense of community at all your communities in Flagstaff. Which you guys have how many total?
1: So we are just under 5,000 units. We just expanded into operating in Tucson and Sierra Vista. Okay. So we have eight in Flagstaff, four in Cottonwood, and then the rest of our portfolio is down in Tucson and Sierra Vista.
0: That's great. So you, and when it comes to doing the program for having resident events and caring for the residents and stuff, it's just been. Part of the dna so what is your role in all that
1: yeah i'm not so much involved in that programmatic side but one of my big focuses in my role is on creating that sense of belonging both Mm. for our team and ensuring that it is part Mm. of the culture that we basically exude out to our residents Mm. and the communities that we serve in. So that's why apartment life is so important to us is they are able to be that arm that provides that sense of care to the residents that maybe we can't because of fair housing, other Mm. legal concerns we might not be able to have that direct touch with folks, but part of my role might be just reminding the teams, that's what your apartment life team is there for, and have them reach out to, to help. But the other part of my role is also helping with escalated resident concerns. So I'll often joke that if they're the angriest resident, they're probably coming and talking to me, which is fine because part of what I do in that is just being that listening ear Being willing to talk and listen to what their real situation is so not just what are they upset about, but what's also going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't know about that's contributing to how they feel about what's happening to them. And then being a mediator between them and their property team to help come up with the resolution in a way that's at least mutually satisfying, even if it's not giving exactly what that person wants. But being willing to listen is half the time. I think what they're really hoping for is that they're just heard in what their right. concern is.
0: Yeah. And that's a big touch point to take that effort to actually listen and try to almost de escalate and work through an issue doesn't seem like a very common approach. Hmm. A lot of people, they'll deal with it like to a degree, but. I haven't heard many company have like somebody that's dedicated to caring for these people and like listening to their issue.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's for me, it i don't think it was highlighted any more than it was during just the pandemic and Mm. having that conversation with the broader team and sharing again just the stories of some of the conversations that i had with people that were we had a parent who was very upset and wanting to get his child out of the lease and without penalty and they had been told we can't just do that and wanting to talk to someone and he gets on the phone with me and after we were talking for just a couple minutes he suddenly just says if anything happens to my daughter i'm holding you personally responsible for it and i just paused and said just sir can you tell me what else is going on? what's go- what's really going on and yeah. he just burst into tears and said i have never not been there for my daughter and I don't know what to do. I don't know what else to do except just advocate for what I think she needs and she's scared and I can't be there with her and I just don't know what to do. And we wound up just talking about that and focusing in and just sharing that moment of, I get it. I get that you're afraid. I get that you want what's best for her and... If what you think is best is to pull her out of this apartment, then you have to do that. Understand that we have obligations as well but you have to do what's right for your family. And if nothing else, we understand that. And it just changed the entire dynamic of our conversation. And he never did take back that statement <laughs> that I was gonna be responsible, <laughs> but but I at least understood where he was coming from and why he said something like that. And mm. just asking that question of what's really going on just changed the entire thing and gave him the space to share what he really needed to get out in that moment.
0: Gotcha. So, so yeah. this, Was this basically a roommate situation gone wrong?
1: No, it, there was really, there was nothing wrong with the apartment. There was nothing wrong with the situation. It was just, it was right in 2020 in the uh-huh. midst of stuff going on with the pandemic. And mm. uh, she was wanting to go home because She couldn't be on campus, she couldn't do any of the stuff that she was doing, and she was scared. So it was, I just, I want to be back with my family, and he wanted to bring her home to be with family, and yeah.
0: Gotcha. So he was concerned that her mental health was going down. Yeah. Yeah basically. I okay.
1: think so. Yeah. And just, I think it was also a matter of his mental health, just not knowing how to be there for his daughter without being in the same physical space with her and not knowing how to just manage all the things that he was feeling and being afraid in the midst of a global situation that had just hit home, I think, in yeah. a different way for him. Wow.
0: So are you like quasi, you're not really, but not caseworker, but then sometimes.
1: <laughs> sometimes it feels like it. And I remember when I was on site, I I, I grew up with my dad works in behavioral health care. And okay. so it was always having grown up watching him in, interact with different people and ask those sorts of questions and always encouraging my brother and I to just get to the heart of things and always ask the question of why do I need to know this so if you're learning something in school or what's the what's the backstory of the situation or understanding the histories of things. I think it just really developed for me that sense of empathy with people and particularly a care and a heart for folks experiencing mental and behavioral health concerns or challenges it's just always been something that has been a passion area for me and making sure I brought that level of care to the work that I was doing. And it happened to be that the property that I worked at when I was first starting on site, we partnered with different programs like Catholic Charities and the Guidance Center and Section 8 programs, where we just happened to have several folks that were living with those sorts of challenges. And I think for them, realizing that their team wasn't just focusing on collecting rent from them, but was actually invested in their lives as well and wanting to know that they were okay, not just financially, but on that personal level and being willing to take that further step to ask those sorts of questions and get to the heart of things that were really going on for them. Again, for me, it just changes the entire dynamic of what a a relationship with a resident looks like or what your engagement with the community looks like as a whole.
0: Yeah. I guess that really hits on one of the talking points is just servant leadership and building your legacy and really caring about pouring into the community, pouring into other people and doing things for the greater good and serving others. So that's, that's really great that you have a heart for that and that you are in the position you are, because it sounds like you're the right person for that role.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cause it no, not just anybody can do, those types of jobs, especially if you're dealing with touchy subjects like you were just sharing, you really have to be able to have empathy and show that you care about what they're saying, even if it's gonna, at the end of the day, still hold a hard line because of the lease or whatever. But so often it it's the way we care for these type of situations. It's just a black and white thing. And there isn't this conversation. So. It's interesting that you guys as a company have built this into it and the aspect of care and having an organization that started out with a care and then still having apartment life and things like that. It's just a very intentional company, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a real, I want to go so far as to say it's been a blessing for me that they have been willing to work with that passion. I started off on site. I moved into the corporate team in a really kind of unique way where we were starting to offer some single family rentals. And also I was assisting the president at that time. And when that role shifted, I was really fortunate to be able to go to them and say, if this isn't what I'm going to be doing anymore. This is where my my Focuses. Is. This is where my passion is. This is what I want to be involved in. It was a conversation with one of the managing partners where I said, I really am interested and curious about some of the legislative stuff that the NA does. I really would like to be more involved at the state and national level. And in response to that, she let me go to my first advocate conference. And that was just the beginning of the rest of where I've gotten to in my career was seeing that conference, falling in love with it, realizing this is where I want to focus in on. She had me get in touch with folks like Greg Cervana and ask, how did you move through your career and start just, I literally just followed everything he did on LinkedIn <laughs> and reached out to him at one point to just ask if we could have a conversation. And I don't actually remember if that conversation never happened but he and I got to engage in in a conversation at an NAA conference and that was where he helped me get involved in committee work and different things like that so just it's i think we're in a really unique industry where folks are able to express that sort of interest and have teams and mentors and leaders and team members who are willing to help you along that journey and share those opportunities and create those sorts of pathways. Yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah. And again, you found a, you presented something and they're like, cool, you have a passion. Let's do right. that. That's really awesome that they listen to your desires and were like, yeah, that fits in line with who we are as a company. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, that's awesome. So do the owners of, it's multiple people, I'm assuming it's like a, that are involved in ownership. Do they get pretty hands-on in these types of areas too? Or how do they go about implementing this mindset?
1: Yeah, it's... I think we have a really unique company structure where we have two managing partners, a president and a vice president, and then our leadership team that I'm part of. And the way that we interact with and engage with each other, there's the benefit of their being willing to share in those decision-making processes. So where I started getting into some of the resident escalated resident concern matters was when I was the assistant to the president. And she was having to step away from being the person that stepped into those situations and recognizing the fact that I did it well, that I was able to listen to those conversations and hone in on this is what a possible resolution is. This is what the situation is. This is what our team did and bring it all together to propose a a solution to her and then have her be on board with it present it to the team and have them presented to the resident. And at a certain point, we just cut out that middle process of taking it to her. And it was just, if it's a situation that I can just speak into, then I just speak into it and work mm-hmm. with the site team directly to come to those sorts of resolutions. I'm also really just passionate about legal things and keeping us on track when it comes to what our legal obligations are and all of that. That'll often be the angle that I bring into those conversations as well is just focusing in on what can we do, what can't we do, and just being willing to look at it from those different angles and make sure that we are both being empathetic, but also responsible in our responses.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And it's great that you have that kind of autonomy a little bit, right, to really make those decisions and make a call on, on these types of situations. Do you guys feel like if you compared yourselves to other companies by having this approach do you feel like some of these touchy issues that come up they don't go as they don't get out of control maybe like they do in other companies
1: for sure i think part of where my role developed out of was that community engagement Peace and focusing in on maintaining, we have such a strong reputation in the communities that we serve to the point that at one point I had a relationship with our local media where they, if they were running a piece on, you know, housing trends or issues that were happening in other housing developments, they would not come to us in an accusatory way. So anything that they would talk to us about was, we just want to know what the trends are, but we know that you are good actors in our community. So we're not going to pull you into an article that makes it sound like you're not acting for the best of the community. And that's all because of the amount of emphasis that we put on that relationship building and focusing in on being good stewards of the communities that we are working within. If we didn't have that focus, it would be in Arizona, just the perceptions of multifamily or landlords and things like that is just a real sticking point for bigger communities. But even with the hardest core affordable housing advocates or folks that are pushing for things like rent control or other things that might be detrimental for the industry as a whole but are seen as things for the betterment of the community they're still willing to engage in conversations with members of our team to ask is this going to work the way that we think it is or why aren't if you're not doing it it's suggesting that maybe it's not the thing that we should be doing so to Mm. have that sort of a reputation that It's always interesting to be in that place of, even if they hate every other landlord in town, we've even had residents post on social media where they're talking about, oh, those money-grubbing landlords, except those folks at Bella. They're cool. (laughs) And to see that's the reputation that we're able to maintain and know that we focus on that. We're paying attention to the public perception and the engagement that we have with folks. It's, I think that's the thing that kind of sets us apart.
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting to me because it makes sense to me because if you're involved and people know who you are and you have a reputation of caring, then when something happens, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. That doesn't really fall in line with how they operate and their track record and how they've given back to the community and how they've handled things. That's very, that's cool because. You don't see that same engagement with like bigger companies and things like that usually, because it's more challenging unless they put somebody in place in every single location. I guess it's completely doable. And if they saw the benefit in the long run, maybe it de-escalates things. Maybe they don't get to the point of like lawsuit and things like that. Then there could be a benefit to having a person in place. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know if you guys, in the end, actually save money by avoiding certain, like, legal measures or whatever because of right. the, the intentionality you're putting in.
1: And I'll tell you that is part of the process that I bring into those sorts of interactions. Is especially when we're coming to the what's the resolution to the situation. What I'm looking at is both the the interaction with that resident. I'm looking at the public relations side of it. What's going to happen if this situation continues to escalate to the point that there's more eyes on this? Is that going to help us or hurt us? And then looking at the the legal side of it, what are the chances of this escalating to a legal situation? Hmm. We want to go through that process of potentially being sued or anything like that and not wanting to rely on the there's often the joke where a resident comes in and everyone that they know is suddenly a lawyer. And I'm gonna go talk to my to, lawyer. If my dad's yeah. a lawyer, it's, oh, okay. So yeah. he knows that we're right on this. <laughs> I hope that he has advised you that way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just understanding that you part of my role. And what I have to bring into those situations is understanding that there are all those different angles to look at this situation from to try and determine what's the best thing for us to do in this particular situation. What's going to resolve this in a way that we're not just giving away the entire boat, but we're also not drowning.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think some companies should probably take notice. I think that's this seems like a better approach. I don't know if you ask me something it's working and to get rid of the perception of being evil landlord. Right. Because so often that's the go-to and then everybody's, oh, you charge too much. And then we're getting into the situation of everybody wants rent control and this and that, because these people don't care. Yeah. And I mean, that topic's huge right now, so. I guess if we have the perception of caring landlord instead of money grabbing landlord, not to say that's necessarily true of everyone, but it's like, that's what everybody views you
1: as because
0: you're just collecting rent. That's all you're doing.
1: I think it's all about changing the story. And that's why I'm focused so much on story engagement and all of those sorts of things is because one of the things that I try and emphasize to our team and to other folks that I work with is it's not about. The story that you think mm-hmm. is being told. It's the story that everybody else is reading. So mm-hmm. it, If you're not getting that story across in a way that's effective, if people are not seeing the heart that goes into the decisions that you're making or the fact that you are not just the money-grubbing landlord, I think that's why we started to see the shift in even the title from landlord to property manager to now you start seeing more of the, no, I'm a community manager Mm. and all of those sorts of focuses to share that I don't fit into this boat. I don't fit into this narrative or this story that you've heard before. I'm something new. I am a partner with you. I am on your side and I'm here to provide you with home in a way that maybe you're not used to. So it's building right. that trust and building those relationships and helping people to see that it's not all about just greed. We are actively trying to serve in, in the things that we're doing
0: yeah yeah i love that and you hit on it you've talked about it a little bit you hinted at things and then your education too the idea of using storytelling in the midst of the things you're doing so how what is your approach in that because your education was in english yes and you got a master's in that yes okay so you're like full in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, how do you use that in your day-to-day? How do you use storytelling for you? Yeah.
1: Your- One of the things that I try and push for is understanding the why behind the things that we do. Whether it's if it's a policy change or it's a company practice or any of those sorts of things, for me the heart behind it is really understanding the why and the why tends to be the story and being able to hone in on that the relational side of it so if we're talking about DEI diversity equity and inclusion being willing to know that this has been my story this is where i came from. This is what my experience has been that makes this so important to me. The same with mental health and trying to emphasize that with our teams for at least for them to be aware that folks are living with mental health challenges or sometimes mental health diagnoses, and we are part of the care that comes to them because we manage the place that they live, that they call home, where they should feel safest if they're experiencing those challenges in that place. We're part of that story. And in emphasizing that with teams, being willing to share, this is what my experience has been with my own mental health. This is what my life was like growing growing up with my mother was bipolar and just sharing some of those experiences and being able to relate in that way, it builds that empathy. It helps folks to see why this is important and how it impacts the lives behind the doors of those units that we're taking care of. We are really impacting people's lives. And if we're not engaging in the story, then we're missing a huge part of that engagement that we have with people.
0: Yeah. So do you do a lot of just more verbal storytelling and sharing of story, or do you also write things down and share it through different mediums as well?
1: I do both. I have not had a chance to write as much as I used to or as, I, as much as I like to, but particularly with, with my team and the work that I do with them, it really is like we just started a lunch and learn series for our diversity, equity, and inclusion program. And it's just an hour-long session where we share a video, we share some terminology, and then give a brief lesson And I love doing those because it's an opportunity to get onto that personal level with folks to share our individual stories, how we have engaged with this term or with this concept in our lives and see how we can really build it into the work that we do. So I think now my focus has become less telling the stories and showing folks how to build stories within their communities or how they can engage in some of that story sharing amongst each other to to really grow and be partners with the residents that we're serving.
0: Great. Yeah, I think yes, sharing individual stories and having just I guess being a model of it and encouraging it. Yeah, it's I think it is powerful. It helps us also remember that we're all people that have a story and everything has an impact, your past has an impact, your current has an impact in all the things going on. Yeah. Whether that's your job or your living situation or whatever.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think for me, the opportunities that we have in this industry, if we look at it as story sharing and storytelling, I think it changes the way that we look at a lot of what we do. I'm part of a group And I see some folks within that group here, Melanin and Multifamily, where we spend so much time just sharing experiences or talking about a topic, but sharing the stories of what has your experience been with this? What has your experience been just in your workplace or being a woman of color in the workplace? What is that like for you? And part of what that group does, at least for me, is it tells me constantly that I'm not alone in the different things that I'm living with in my life. There have been points where I have felt very alone in whether it was my experience or just some struggles professionally or different things like that. And just to even sometimes just sit back and watch the conversations that they're having if I can't actively participate in it just means the world to me. And I wish that I could express to the other folks in that group sometimes how much that group has made a difference. It's literally the reason that I'm still in the role that I'm in and doing the work that I'm doing is because they both build up my fire and keep it going. And they give that purpose to the work that I'm doing. I know that I'm in this both with them and for them and knowing that they are in it with and for me is also just, it's mind blowing and it's just so powerful.
0: Yeah, no, that's, so I've been obviously exposed to the group through quite a few different people now, and it just sounds like it's had a really great impact on each one of you and a huge support system for you guys. So it's fun to hear your stories, each person's take on how it's impacted you. Yeah. But that's really great. And how long is it? I don't even know how long has this been collectively happening officially.
1: Yeah. I I don't know how long it's been officially happening. I've been part of the group for I wanna say just over a year. Okay. And just to see the passion that the women behind it have brought to it and how much it's grown from just, they were part of the diversity leadership program and came up together through that program and saw something that was missing industry and for folks like us within the industry and created that, that room and that space for those conversations to happen and had a conversation with one of the women in that group, Dana Duckworth. She had invited me to speak with her company and before that session, we had just a whole conversation about why I do what I do and the engagement that I've had with a lot of the folks in that group. And... I always find it funny because I always refer to the women that started it as their young women who started this organization. They're like the same age as me, (laughs) a couple (laughs) years younger, but we're in that same age group. But to see the opportunities that they had, that they took advantage of, and that they're now creating for other people is just so inspired. Like I am mind blown by them just constantly seeing that gap and creating that opportunity and at the same time taking an opportunity that was given to them and going so far beyond it. They graduated that program and just have grabbed the bull by both horns and are literally changing things and changing our world within this industry in ways that I never would have even imagined. And so it's just a beautiful thing to be able to sit and watch and see what they're doing, but also to be part of it is, again, it's just, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it is. And what is there, four people from that group that are up for awards this year?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> and so- yeah, it it's just, it's amazing. and. I wish I had the ability. I'm a storyteller and I'm a writer and I still cannot put into words just how amazing they are as leaders. And it's just, they're amazing. (laughs) For folks that are watching, if you have the opportunity to engage with anyone from Melanin and Multifamily, do it. Because it literally, it's sometimes just a single conversation with them is game-changing, life-changing, just powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think what Dana and Monica Dana Duckworth and Monica Frazier are both finalists for the same award, right?
1: DEI champion.
0: And then Aisha and I think Vanessa
1: Vanessa, Grace. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, Are both uh, for upcoming leader or
1: emerging leader.
0: Emerging leader. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So yeah, that's awesome. Really cool to see that. And then one last thing I want to cover is just mentorship. In fact, so are you in a mentorship cohort or leadership in yes. some way with Irving? <laughs> okay.
1: Uh huh. I saw <laughs> Irving on earlier. Irving is my mentee with the okay. DLP program this year oh, and okay. yeah.
0: Awesome. So yeah, how are you giving back in that way and helping others grow?
1: Yeah, so I think again, I started our conversation with just the story of third, fourth grader Kara seeing other people who needed to have some direction. And despite how shy I was stepping in and being willing to like, let me come alongside you. Let's be friends. Let's move forward together. I think that's the same sort of spirit that I try and bring to mentorship. So I have now twice been a mentor with the diversity leadership program. And my focus is really on just continuously engaging with where are you right now? What's going on in your world? How can I help to not drag you along the path to where you need to be, but let's just talk it through and you tell me what you're experiencing and I'll give you some resources and we can talk it out. But just being willing to come alongside someone and both show them the path that you took and share that story with them, but also to encourage them to find their own path. What worked for me isn't going to work for everyone. The opportunities that I've had are not going to be available to everyone, but to be willing to to come alongside someone and tell them, "I, I want to see you grow. I want to see you succeed. So let's work together to figure out what that success looks like for you and where you need to go or what you need to do to get there. And I think a big part of that conversation for me is also being willing to then see that person, you have helped them grow their wings, but to see them actually fly and realize now they're flying like beyond me. (laughs) Now you have gone beyond where I am and you're doing these amazing things. It's both a little heartbreaking, but also heartwarming. It's bittersweet. It's just beautiful. To I think for me, that should be the point of mentoring relationships and growing other people is I don't want to just grow you to the point where I am. I want to grow you to the point that you now are beyond me and you're doing those things on your own.
0: I'm glad you're able to give back in that way because it is important yeah. for people to uh, to have somebody that's actually done the work before them and had experiences to share. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to share?
1: I think I'd be remiss to not mention that we'll both be at Apartmentalize next week, and I am so excited for that coming up. I think what I'm most excited for is there are so many great diversity, equity, and inclusion sessions this year. And to see the results of the DEI survey that NAA did, I know there's going to be a session on that, as well as a session on the mental health survey that was done this past year. There's going to be so many sessions from some of the leaders within the not just the DEI committee, but also members of melanin and multifamily have different sessions that are coming up. Some of the past leaders within the organization, like Marcy French, I believe has at least one session and just the opportunity to, again, continue to learn and see them and just bask in the glow of the gloriousness that they are bringing to the industry. And that work is just, is going to be great. And I look forward to the conference and the opportunity to just keep learning and experience that personal growth and engage with the folks from the DEI committee. I'm chairing that this year and just the work that some of the folks that are leading some of the projects for that have been doing already is just amazing. And it's exciting to be part of that so just looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing everyone and just having a good time together
0: yeah i'm excited too and because of this last year and being able to meet so many great people like yourself i'm just excited to to get to meet you guys in person and continue to build relationships and get to know people even better so It's going to be a way different year than last year. Last year was my first NAA, and I knew nobody. I knew some (laughs) people. That's not true. I didn't know anybody. But I know a lot more people now because of doing this show, and it's been really awesome to be able to learn from everybody. And I know that through the 46 episodes, I've gained a lot through these different interactions. So thank you so much for being one of those people.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, I look forward to seeing you next week and I believe you've RSVP'd that you're going to be at our little brunch. I did. Um, yes, I will. So, I'm excited to see you there and maybe other parts of the week as well, but it's going to be a fun and great week and exhausting.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> pace yourself. Anybody who's going, just remember you've got to pace yourself.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much again for being boss number 46. And you are a boss, you're doing so much and you're having a great impact on not only your local community, but also just this industry. And we're better for you being a part of it. So thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you. If you want to be on boss talks, hit me up, send me a message here on LinkedIn. If you're a boss of something, I wanna know you and I wanna hear your story. So let me know what you have to share. And until next time, next week at NAA, I'll see you then and thanks for watching and listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.